Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today. This morning's scripture reading is from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, verses 24 through 31. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every true tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Almighty and gracious God, as we gather to hear your word read and proclaimed, I humbly ask, O Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, speak to them so clearly that we would not miss your words one bit, but in hearing them that our hearts and our lives would be transformed so that we would leave this place, not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. Your son's holy name we pray, amen. So it's always fun to me to sort of do this sort of pop psychology, pop science study of genetics. I mean, you know, this idea of seeing how traits get passed from parents to children and the like. I mean, it's really kind of fun. You get this idea of genetics and creation right in front of our eyes when you have parents sitting next to their children in a restaurant or a pew or a ball game and you can see it. And so I think our world likes this as well because we like to sort of think of this idea of genetics and comparative analysis with the cliches that we use to describe our children or someone else's children and our parents. For example, when you use the phrase, well, you know, they're like a chip off the old block, maybe we're looking at a son and his natural sports ability compared to his father's and maybe going into the father's chosen profession. 
Or maybe if we say that the apple didn't far from the tree, we're describing someone's personalities like, you know, she's humorous or effervescent like her mother or she's as cantankerous as her father. Or we say something like a mini-me. Well, you know, that's so-and-so's mini-me. I mean, that it's a miniature version of one of the parents who looks a lot like them, talks a lot like them, has the similar mannerisms. Or maybe we say, well, you know, she's the spitting image of her mother. And by that we mean if we either compare pictures at the same stages in life or just looking at them side by side, you can see without a shadow of a doubt who belongs to whom. See, this idea as we look at this DNA coding and learned traits and observed and internalized behaviors, we begin to get this idea of this wonderful mix of genetics and psychology and sociology. We begin to see how our children are this compilation of the best parts of us. Almost, if you will, an image of who we are. This idea of an image of who we are, what we have passed along to them. Our text today is embedded in the Genesis creation story. It's the sixth day is what David just read to us. And if we think about it, if we go all the way back to Genesis 1-1, it begins where God sort of sweeps over the waters and says, let there be light. And it was good. And it was the first day. And then later, the next day, God separates the earth and the sky. And then there come later, we have the land and the sea and the plants. And then finally, the sun and the moon and then the fish and the birds. And each day God is creating this in this sense of perfect order because all of life depends on the day before. And at the end of every day, what does God say? God says, and it was good. Every day was good. And so then we get to day six where all of creation is before us except for the animals. And so on the sixth day, God creates the animals and then creates humanity. And in verse 27, the author of Genesis tells within that verse three times about how we were created, how the whole human race came about. It says that God created humanity in God's own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, God created them. And then if that wasn't enough, as we read further in the text today, we see where God sort of tells humanity, tells male and female, go into the world and be fruitful, multiply, seek sustenance from all of the creatures and all the plants and the waters, care for it all. You have dominion over it, meaning care for it, and it was good. But as we read in that verse 27, this idea of created in the image of God, what does that mean for us? What does that mean to be created in the image of God? Does that mean that God, you know, we're talking about the physicality of God, where God's got two legs, two arms? I don't think so. We use those terms and we think of that when we say God wraps God's arms around us because that helps us understand the power of God. But what we really get into, we look in the text, the, the Hebrew for the word, the preposition in, is not talking about sort of the physicality, but it's talking about the essence, the trait of God, the nature of God. So when we're talking about being made in the image of God, we begin to realize that we have this idea of the nature, the qualities that God possesses. That's how we were created. We were created with those embedded deep in our hearts, deep in our souls, deep in our very beings. And when we understand that, 
When we understand that that is how it, it comes about, this begins to change how we look at each other, doesn't it? When we begin to think that each of us in all the world is created in the image of God, should it not affect the way we speak to each other? Should it not affect the way that we view each other, the way we relate to each other, the way we treat each other? Because aren't we all created in the image of God? And if we've got those qualities, then we have to begin thinking, what is it that God has that has been bedded deep in our hearts, deep in our souls, that we can really then begin to use and to share with the world around us? So the first thing we notice is that God is a creating God, and we've been given the gift of creativity, the opportunity to create. We are created to be good because God is good, and we are created to give love because that's what God has done for us and for all the world. And so we begin to know and to live into that idea of the image of God being the ability to create, to be good, and to love, then that affects the way we act, doesn't it? It changes who we are and what we're about. It becomes the gift we give to the world like what God has given to us. Now that we wanted to admit it or not, we are creative. Now there's some of us that can sit there and right now you want to argue with me maybe, I don't have a creative bone in my body. Trust me, you should see the drawings that I put on meeting agendas. And they're not creative. Well, we do have this creativity. See, God has given you and I, each of us, we've given us these talents, this heart to be creative. Now sure, when we hear the word creativity, we think instantly in the world of the arts. We think about music and the ability to sing beautifully or to draw something or to create something. I mean, you've been surrounded by the arts today with the bulletin cover, with the music, with the choir, the soloists, the ensembles, with the organ. But there's also the ability to create by being able to build things or to act or to write beautifully. Yes, that's in the spectrum of the arts, but there's another level of creativity too. How many of you, let me see your show of hands, how many of you love to make spreadsheets? You know who you are, raise your hands, it's okay. Don't be shy about it. Now there are people in here who would say to you, oh my goodness. That is my definition of a really hot place if I have to make a spreadsheet, right? But yet some of you go, please let me make a spreadsheet. Please let me make it. That's creativity. That'll be creative with the numbers. That gets to a whole other issue. But that's creativity. You can create a spreadsheet. All of business has a level of creativity. Marketing and spreadsheets and accounting for things and being able to grow something is creative. So creativity doesn't just happen in the arts, it doesn't happen in business. Look at schools. Think of your favorite teacher, the one that you really love, the one that made all the lessons come alive. I'm gonna tell you what, a school teacher, a middle school history teacher that can make the war of 1812 seem somewhat interesting is very creative. If you have ever had to tackle a room full of middle school boys and girls, anything you can do to hold their attention for one second where they fall in love with the subject matter is a creative person. See, God has given all this creativity to you and to me. And sure, it's in different veins in different parts of the world, but we have this creativity and the image of God that blesses us with that also causes us to cause us to use those talents for the good of the world. 
We're called to tap into that creativity. It's buried deep in our hearts to make this world a better place than we found it. To use the creativity to make it more beautiful, to use it to make it run more smoothly, to use it to improve the place all the way around, to leave it better than you and I found it. Sure, sometimes when we hear those words, we begin to think immediately of creation and how we care for it, and every one of us should be involved in that. But leaving the world a better place also is about the legacies that you and I leave behind, the lessons that we teach, the things that we build, that which we provide for others so that their lives are enhanced. A friend of mine is a custom home builder, a really, a really good guy. He likes to build high-end custom homes. If you were to have a home built by him, he uses only the finest of materials, but every bit of his work is meticulous. I've watched him hang a, a piece of trim molding three times because the joint just wasn't tight enough. It wasn't going to last and look good over the long haul. And most people might have stopped at the first hanging and said, that's good enough, but not for him. It had to be just perfect because that's what he demanded of himself and he thought his clients demanded. But the story gets better. You see, on the weekends, he worked for Habitat for Humanity, building affordable homes for people. And he said, Glenn, you know, my attitude about this is I want these homes to be standing just as long as the high-end homes I build. I want them to look just as good 20 years down the road as the high-end homes. So he said, even though I may not be putting in marble countertops, the laminate countertops I put in, the seams have to be just as tight. The trim that we hang has to be just as tight. Everything about it has to be well just so because everyone deserves, everyone should have a home that's built with the best care. You see, that's his creativity coming out. He believes that he wants to leave the world better than he found it. And everyone should benefit from that, no matter what your address is, no matter what your house is made of, no matter how much you paid for it. You see, we're all creative. And God calls us to use that creativity to make the world around us better. But God also is good and God has given that gift of goodness to us and God wants us to be good, wants us to live the best life, to live the best life in the world around us, to strive for excellence always. We think about that creative order at the end of every day, God said, and it was good, meaning that everything about what God did that day was good. And God wants that for you and me at the end of the day that we too can look back and say that our day was good that we were good people, that we lived well, that we did everything good. But let's be honest. Some days it's not good, is it? Some days we're like that kid that was in the balcony at church a few years back and there's always this moment in church where it's really quiet. Now what you know, if you've ever tried to take a three or four year old and introduce them to church, you know they squirm a lot, right? You know, they draw a little bit. Sometimes they ask a question and they think they're whispering and it's more like a dull roar. Well, apparently on this particular Sunday, they were sitting in the back, sitting there in the balcony. Their mother thought that they had built enough separation uh, so that it, they wouldn't disturb anyone. But as the day, as the service went on, as the preacher droned on and on and on, 
They were listening and it was just not quite there and the child was more restless and more restless. And there was this moment where the sermon ended. It was that moment of silent reflection like we have. And the mother thought, now is my chance to get him out before he disturbs the rest of the service. And as she's taking him out, the whole congregation hears these words, no mama, no, I'll be good. Every parent's worst nightmare was all we could do not to look. But that child wanted to be so good and he had tried his best because he knew in his heart that was what he was to do. But he couldn't do it. But you know, the great thing about the goodness that God has given us, this desire to be good, is that God says you, we get a chance to try every day, to get a chance to try to be our best, that that goodness is in there. And so that even when we try to be good, if we're not, to persevere and to try again, to get up and try again and again and again. That's all that God asks for us. God asks us to be good because if we share that goodness with the world, the world is a better place. And finally, what we know about God to be made in the image of God is to realize that God is love and that God has given you and I that gift of love deep in our hearts. And so God has given it to us as we think about the time from creation all the way up to today that God has been constantly shedding and sharing God's love upon all of the world. When we stepped away, as our communion liturgy says, when our love failed, your love being God's love remains steadfast. So even when we walked away from God, God said, I will be here to love you. And even God has come to seek us out and to bring us back. We see that with Jesus, with, with his ministry, with his, with his crucifixion and resurrection. We see the love that God has shared with the world and especially with us. And so we know that part of being made in the image of God is that we are to share that love. But there are days, aren't there? There are days that we run into people who they, while they want to be good, they fall short. They fall short and we start to feel less positive about them, right? We can't change the way we feel about them because sometimes they rub us wrong and sometimes they annoy us. But what matters most is not how we feel, but how we treat them. Because isn't that where the rubber meets the road in life? It's how we treat each other, how we reach out to each other and share God's love with them. Isn't that where it matters most? Bishop Fulton Sheen says these words. He says, the three characteristics of a Christian are this. Kindness, kindness, and kindness. Think about our world. Think about the difference that we could make in the world if every one of us shared kindness every day. Even maybe when people in the world didn't deserve it, that we were kind to them. When we share God's love with them each and every day, the difference that we can make when we show the world that image of God. There was a psychiatrist, that, a famous psychiatrist a few years back. He was on a panel and someone asked him, said, well, you went to med school. Did you know you wanted to be a psychiatrist? And he said, frankly, I really didn't. He said, I thought I wanted to be a surgeon. So I was excited to be on my surgical rotation in med school. And we had this patient that came through and right after surgery, 
they had a, they had a psychological break, a schizophrenic um, episode, and so they were there catatonic in the hospital bed, and their health was slowly declining because no one could break through. And I didn't know what to do, and so on my break, I decided just to go see the patient. And not really sure what to do, how I could help them, I just decided to pull up a chair and I sat by their bed. And as my break came and went, I sort of forgot about going back on duty. And I kept sitting in the chair. And then as the hours went on, I started thinking about it a little bit more and I thought, you know, they're probably gonna come looking for me or they think I've quit. I should go back to doing my normal duties, my normal rounds. And as he said, as I got up, as I started to get up out of the chair, at that moment, the patient turned and looked at me and says, don't leave now. And he said, it was in that moment. It was in that moment that I realized that I could use this gift of medicine, this gift of healing that God had given to me to help people in another dimension, to help people in a different way in the human race where I could provide this goodness to help them mentally and spiritually and physically as well as emotionally. Imagine if you and I took the love that God poured into our hearts and poured it out on the world around us, no matter what we did. No matter what you and I do for a living, no matter where we go to work or where we live in our neighborhoods, what if we shared that love with the world around us? You see, we hear in the text today at the end of day six that all of humanity was made in the image of God and it was good. So I want you to do something. I want you to turn just for a minute, just turn and look at your neighbor. Just turn and look at them, it'll be okay. They're not gonna run away from you. Turn and look at them. Do you see it in their eyes? Did you hear it in their voices when they came in today? Did you notice that they are a chip off the block? That the apple hasn't fallen far from the tree? That they are the spitting image of the God who created them? What if the world saw God through them, through you? What if the world saw God and saw that we were created to create? That being created in the image of God means that we were created to, re to create, that we were to live as good people and that we were to share God's love with everyone. What if the world saw God through us because we reflected that image of God by the way we lived? by the way we speak to each other, by the way we create, by the good lives we lead, and that we share God's love. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. We hope that you'll consider joining us for worship on Wednesday evenings at 7 o'clock or Sunday mornings at 8.30, 9, or 11. Have a blessed day.